It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. You know something, Anthony? I don't like this uh, Christmas song. I tell Kevin Chose, play something hip, right? And what does he choose? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Finally, finally, we get to the words. Forget about it. Forget about it. Anyway, the reason uh, we're playing this is on my way up to join you on left versus right. I take the train, as I often do. Plat packed. I mean, packed with white people with stupid Santa Claus hats on. Already half in the bag, half dressed, Santy, half not dressed. And you know, by the time the hours go by, it's going to be more drunken, rowdy behavior on uh, Santy Conde. Santy Conde. Yeah. What the hell is this? This, this starts in your neighborhood. I blame you, the Lower oh, East Side. No doubt about it. I, listen, but here's what I talked about this a little on my show. I'm doing so much complaining about kids these days with all these Palestinian rallies. Let, let them have their whatever it is. But if this is the queen, here's one thing I don't ever see. Maybe I'm wrong. I never see any black guys doing this. This is a middle class white phenomenon. Almost apparently. everybody. Yeah. Correct. And a lot of suburban folks who come in yeah. drunk, yeah. urinating, defecating, fighting. Now, I'm going to have my son in a few hours. Hunter, I have to have a father-son discussion with him. And when I'm walking out in the streets, how do I explain that Santa Clauses are fighting one another and that I got to break it up? Well, I also don't I don't understand the conceit of the thing. If you want to go out and wander the streets and go to bars, more power to you. By the way, even some of the, the restaurant and bar owners that I know who I would say to oh, this is your day. They're going to come in here and spend it. They're like, no, there's nothing but headaches. Like the people come in all the time and have drinks. They're fine. But look, it is what it is. It's going to get worse and worse. It's only 4 o'clock. You say you already see them stumbling around. Oh, my God, the on fact, the train. The fact that the sun goes down so early this time of year means that they're drinking at 3 o'clock and plastered by 4 o'clock. How do I explain to Hunter that his father had a breakup fights between <laughs> Santa Claus And elves. And, exactly. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, they have another one in Hoboken coming up, which is worse, one square mile on Washington Avenue. Right. They've had to actually bring the paddy wagons in and take everybody away. But that's number one. Number two, I'm on my block there. It's uh, where Flocko is, you know, the owl who got oh, out yeah. of the Oh, yeah. Is he back? I saw his yeah, story in the paper. Yeah, 86th yeah. Street uh, off Columbus. And uh, he's looking for a mate, looking for love in all the wrong places. But on my block, there's such a lack of public parking that I posted a video, courtesy of my wife, Nancy, in which you will see this van that is blocked in bumper to bumper. It can't get out. The car before it, it has a ticket already for $125 for parking. And it's like no room. I don't know what is more difficult to find in Manhattan, an affordable apartment or free parking. It's almost impossible. If you go to a parking lot, you got to take a reverse mortgage. It's going to cost you 80 or 100 for the day, $20 for an hour. And then when they impose congestion pricing, people to beat it are going to try to park north of 60th Street. 
so that any parking spot that might have been available, forget about it. By the way, you know, I, you know about the condition pricing thing. This is I thought of you when I heard this. You know, the borderline is 60th Street, right? Yes. Do you know you can't get onto the 59th Street Bridge without going to 59th or 57th? Those are the two engines. So if you are going back to the boroughs, and even if you say, all right, I'm going to avoid the zone and stay north of 60th, because when you come off the bridge coming into Manhattan, you're north of 60th. But in order to go back, you have to loop south. Uh, They're whacking the outer borough. But, uh, now, hold guys. on a second. Uh, you called it the 59th Street Bridge, a.k.a. the Queensboro Bridge, a.k.a. the Ed Koch, Ed Koch Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you call it? Uh, the 59th Street Bridge. Yeah, so do I. So do I. So do I. Although Carolyn Maloney, when she was the congresswoman, you know, running against Gerald Nadler, the big issue was we don't need to call it the Ed Koch Bridge any longer. Really, Carolyn? Yeah. That was your very dear friend. That, that was guy such... helped make your political bones. I know, I know, I know. Well, do you call do you call it Tappan Zee, the Mario Cuomo Bridge? No, absolutely. Yeah, Mario Fracha Bruta Cuomo Bridge. <laughs> we'll deal with Cuomo momentarily, but let me tell you something. Today, there is one man in the city of New York who is experiencing both a World Series and a Super Bowl all in one day. He'd rather be doing the analytics on this most recent poll because it's about what he dreams about, ranked choice voting, and a nonpartisan election if Eric Adams is forced to step aside, let's say if he gets indicted, and they make him a deal that he just can't pass up, like Elliot Spitzer was offered a deal to step aside. Frank Morano is doing the analytics because, uh, what is that called, Slingshot? Uh, it's a Democratic uh, consulting firm. They did a poll. It's now been published. It's, it's gone viral. And hypothetically, they indicate, well, if Eric Adams has to step aside and there's a nonpartisan election, which would have to take place within about 60 days, Jumani uh, Williams would be the mayor temporarily. And then they list all the potential candidates. They list only one Republican, me, and they list a whole bunch of Democrats, a lot of them radicals, you know, uh, socialists. And uh, Cuomo wins. Jumani is second in the ranked choice. I'm third. And then each level. You can see how the votes shift. Yeah, let's let's pause on this for a moment so I explain to people how this works. So the idea would be, rather than you go into a ballot box and say, here's the person I want, you go in with the list. I want this one. I want Sliwa first. I want Jumani second. I want it. And the thinking is, and the reason that change was made was a couple of things. One, you know, you don't want to have a situation where only 40% of the people decide on the next mayor. You want to have at least everyone a little bit invested. And I always support ranked choice voting because for another reason, you want people not to be just tearing the shreds out of each other. You want to be having people trying to come together, like saying, all right, I like Sliwa and I like this other one. They seem to be working together. I'll make one, 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 two. The other benefit of this is, though, is you cannot be the first choice and still win the election. Meaning that if Andrew Cuomo, who is number one in this poll, is known and liked by only 20%, I think, in this poll. That is correct. But if overwhelmingly the other 80% say, you know what, I'd rather have a Sliwa or I'd rather have a Jumani Williams, then you're not stuck with someone who's unpopular. And the reason why Frank Morano loves this is, I don't remember, he just believes in nonpartisan oh, everything, nonpartisan right? nonpartisan elections and ranked choice voting together. This is like his, yeah. his wet political dream come true We'll have to wait for him to do all the analytics. Now, this is the fourth poll, back-to-back, belly-to-belly. It started with Marist. Then it was the poll that I helped uh, sponsor. 
Then it was Quinnipiac. And now it's this slingshot pole that actually, it's almost like fantasy baseball. It's fantasy politics. Eric Adams steps aside because he gets indicted. And now there's a scrum in this nonpartisan election. They throw a lot of different names in there. There are different percentages. And at each step of the way, somebody is knockout. It's like knockout, knockout, knockout. And some of the remaining candidates get a percentage of that vote. Now, this drives our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, out of his mind. He hates this. Most of our listeners hate ranked choice voting. And the one who always comes to the forefront even more than you is Frank Morano. To well, but there's it. no – the ranked choice voting – I don't know why – first, we haven't been doing it very long. To know if it's good or bad. I think Eric Adams benefited from it because he was a little bit more to the right. This is actually an important lesson for you and for Andrew Cuomo that everyone thinks New York City is a very liberal base. It's not. It's democratic. But I was leading in the polls running as a moderate. Ed Koch ran as a moderate. Um, you know, uh, uh, I mean, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think in 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 the de Blasio year in 2013 it was kind of a weird thing that the two moderates, me and Quinn, both kind of fell on our swords before we got to Election Day. So I, I think you might get a good outcome from this. But here's the real bad news. The bad news is anyone's even doing these polls. Imagine if you're this is the worst kind of conversation the mayor wants to have. He can live with a, a decision with a conversation about whether he's doing bad or good on a certain issue. But if people are already starting to say let's have polls around whether he should even be in office and you mentioned two polls in that lineup, which was not who should replace him, but just the, his popularity, his numbers are in, in the toilet. I mean, I don't think – quite literally, I don't think they've ever been worse than some of these polls. No, they never have. And all four polls are pretty similar. They come to the same conclusions. The poll that I backed had 168 pages of analytics. And you know how your folks are in politics. They love the analytics. It's like – Guys uh, who do analytics in baseball or basketball, they, right. they dive into it, you know, because they have like every conceivable group, every conceivable concept where the mayor is really getting hurt, where there's a dramatic turnaround. is from um, last August, uh, Sanctuary City welcoming in the migrants, overwhelming support. Now that percentage has turned into the negative. So, boy, this is really hurting him. I don't know how he distances himself. For example, he went to Washington, D.C. He met with Chuck Schumer, which he could have done here. Hakeem Jeffries, he could have done here. Really, no major substantial uh, meetings with federal officials of the Biden administration. And his response in leaving the White House was really like, first of all, he has a cold. Uh, it, it sounded like a defeated guy, like, you should be angry. I'm angry. Everybody's angry. But he doesn't sound angry. And people are getting angry at him. They're not getting angry at Biden here. They're not getting angry at Hochul. They're getting angry at him. What does he have to do to turn this around? Because every day, buses arrive at the Port Authority. Every yeah. day. Well, he violated an important rule of politics and PR, which is always have a deliverable. If you're going to Call attention to something that you're doing. Have something that you're delivering, even if it's I'm delivering the, an idea for a new bill or something like this. In this case, it just called it called in, in to, in, in, it called to mind two things that he probably would rather forget. One, the last time he was on a plane, right? Everyone's going to be like, I feel, I feel like I've seen this video before. And the other thing is the fact that he he left kind of empty-handed. Um, 
But here's the scenario where this turns around fairly quickly. The scenario is, one, the prosecutors decide either not to prosecute him or to prosecute someone else in his administration that allows him to either say, it's over or it wasn't me, the old shaggy song. The the second thing that could happen is that there starts to be an ebbing of the migrant crisis in general and people's attention move to other things and the crime stats start to come down. Two years is plenty of time to get things uh, get things back in, in order. And the third thing that happens is no viable person shows up to run probably to his center left that really poses much of a challenge to him. Remember, Bill de Blasio is in a very similar place, was being indicted for alleged paper play around his nonprofit fundraising and whatever it is, looked very bad. And then he gets a letter from the prosecutor saying, saying, well, we're not going to prosecute you. No real opponent emerges and he gets reelected. Right. But you forget to remember uh, that was before the summer of March uh, of 2020, uh, George Floyd, when everything just went chaotic. Remember, for a long time, he had Bratton as his police commissioner. That was his insurance policy. He argued with his wife, Charlene, who wanted Phil Banks. Charlene, if you remember, oh, no, go with Phil Banks. Smartest thing that Bill de Blasio ever did was stand up to his wife, Charlene, and said, no, we're going to bring Bill Bratton in because people don't think that I have a focus on law and order and public safety, which obviously that's not why you voted for uh, Bill de Blasio. If anything... He was on the attack against the police at that time, especially stop and frisk. So by bringing Bill Bratton in, people took a deep breath and said, "Okay, here's a guy who's been there before. He knows how to do the job. In the first few years uh, of de Blasio, the crime stats were pretty decent. Bratton was the face of public safety. He's a master of the soundbite, the press conference. People felt good. But then when he left his his entourage behind in charge. That's when things began. Well, also, the summer of George Floyd changed a lot in policing all around the country, like police were under attack. But the point that I was making, though, is that is that once it gets back, look, something is going to happen between now and the next couple of years. There's going to be the, the conversation is going to change. It could easily change in a way that's advantageous for Eric Adams. It could happen. Um, the problem is that right now, it, there's almost a death watch going on. Look, these polls don't happen cheap, as you know. People are doing polls around who comes next, if, and, 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 and I know the mayor's been asked to respond to them. This is the worst kind of conversation. It's kind of like that, 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 um, that Monty Python thing. I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead. Bring out your dead. I'm not dead yet. He is in a real difficult spot because many citizens are starting to say, not only don't I like you, Eric, I'm already starting to look at who the next guy's going to be. Yes, and uh, his only response to this most uh, recent slingshot poll that had uh, what uh, Frank Morano is all for toots about. Imagine, ranked choice voting with a, um, a nonpartisan election, which could happen if he had to step aside like Elliot Spitzer had to step aside as a governor. Although in that case, the lieutenant yeah. governor just segued right in, my husband-in-law, uh, David Patterson. But in this particular case, you mentioned the police department, right? We mentioned, when's the last time you saw Police Commissioner Eddie Caban? Yeah, he's, he, he hasn't been around in a while. Yeah, uh, uh, I know why he's not been around. I bet you do. Tell me. Oh, no. Now, remember, I <laughs> promised, I hold it. Sid Rosenberg, in the morning, 7.05, I give the hors d'oeuvre, and then I give the entree on the rip and read. Sorry, I'm not going to give you this one. But think about it, ladies and gentlemen. 
When's the last time you saw our brand new police commissioner, Eddie Caban? There have been a number of press conferences dealing with public safety. First of all, dealing with all the demonstrations. You mentioned the demonstrations. The one that took place yesterday was right around the menorah near 34th Street. They circled the menorah. Yeah. Now, leave the menorah alone. We got a big one coming up in which John Katzmatidis lights the menorah every year mm-hmm. with Rabbi Bootman, Butman. And then Sid goes up in the other bucket. Now he wants me to go up with him. <laughs> he goes, these people are going to want to kill me. Yeah, look out for the, the pro-Hamas people. Yeah. I mean, how many, look how many of these lightings, these menorah lightings have been canceled. When we come back, we got that. We have to discuss this. Yeah. In fact... What was it? Gavin Newsom basically said? Yeah, I was just going to say, in California, they canceled one. Let's do it virtually, as if it was the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. When we come back, you want to light a menorah. You may not be able to light publicly a menorah. You may have to just do it in the privacy of your house. How do you like that privacy, right? Right, Oh, you're so fancy. Very BBC, very NYC. Anyway, (laughs) it's left versus right. It's Anthony Weiner. He loves these analytics. He, he's doing a deep yeah, dive, and no doubt Frank Morano taking a break between shooting craps at the Borgata saying, oh, my God, it's my political dream come true, a nonpartisan election, and ranked choice voting. Oh, oh. And John Katsimatidis is saying, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. It's time for Hanukkah, so much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah. Let me ask you a question. Uh, 
as Adam Sandler sings his Hanukkah song. Here's a guy, box office $200 million for Zohan, about the bravest IDF soldier who came to New York City, became a hairstylist, tried to marry a Palestinian woman, did Bafo box office. I know, but one of 30 movies in a row that are just no good. He has, he's not made a good movie in forever. No, but... People love him, though. There was a letter published in The Hollywood Reporter of Jews uh, who were in the entertainment business, all different levels, and led by Seinfeld. We support Israel, the aftermath of the attack of October 7th, and you saw many prominent people, Michael Douglas. We go right on down the line. I did not see Adam Sandler. I did not see, um, what's his name from uh, Van Halen, Roth. Um, Wait, you're, you're reading the letter looking for Jews who are left off it? Gene Simmons, right? He was born in Haifa. He, he's always proud. I'm an Israeli uh, Jew. I'm a tough guy. Well, did they forget Israel? No, these guys? no I think what you, no, you've got to realize is none of these guys actually signed the letter. These are all guys with Jewish agents. That's all it is. It's a bunch of Jewish agents. No, I, they're Jews. I know, I know. I know. Well, I, I, well, well, how come? How come they get a pass? Who what? cares? Who cares? Who oh, signed? Just as long as everyone, they sing a good song. Everyone should shut up. Just shut up. Just shut up. Just support Israel. Go about your business. Don't go. Don't be protest. And then these protests, man, from the river to the sea. I, I, I read this survey that someone paid for to speaking about polls. They went out and asked kids who were who support the slogan "River to the Sea," and then they asked them, "Can you tell us what river and what sea?" And like 20% is all that knew what they were talking about. And 10% in the poll said that they thought that they thought that um, Yasser Arafat was the first prime minister of Israel. <laughs> like these kids have no idea. None. I have no idea. It's cool. It's hip. It's happening. 100%. They get to socialize. And most importantly, <laughs> like in Black Lives Matter, when Antifa was able to completely cover up themselves in total black. Yeah. Now they can cover themselves up with the shmata over their head, the kafiyah. And, just, they look, and they look cool doing it. Yeah, but just in case mom or dad are wondering, uh, how's that money I keep sending you, uh, you know, to support you in your endeavors in uh, Brooklyn going, they can't be doxxed. You can't dox them. You can't see them. But anyway, um, there's this one video of the demonstration yesterday <coughs> in Herald Square. They're surrounding the menorah. They're going round and round. Didn't do anything to the menorah. Uh, got into some arguments with Jews who were there taking selfies with Menorah. But they're going to be like sharks, you know, surrounding the prey. you got a number of Menorah lightings coming up. Some have already been canceled around the country, around the world. Uh, Governor Newsom in California is already suggesting just do it virtually. Don't take a chance by going out to the public plazas. We've got a big one coming up that John Katsimatidis has been doing for more than 20 years. And Sid recently has been assisting him with uh, Shmuley Butman, who brings the torch up there in the bucket. And I said to Sid, because he thinks the Hamas supporters are going to come out in mass, which they might, just bring an uh, aerosol can of VO5 hairspray. <laughs> so then when Shmuley <laughs> Butman lights the torch, you put the hairspray, and that'll be like uh, yeah, a flamethrower. Yeah, torch it. Yeah. That'll be it. Everybody will back away. <laughs> but now, they're smart in the fact that they know when they go to these menorah lightings, they're going to get a lot of attention. They so far haven't uh, physically harmed anybody. They're getting into a few arguments. But you know that there's going to be a situation in which there's a clash. Well, then there's the other problem, is that 
I mean, you've done some of these. I have gone up in these. I mean, what they really are, cherry pickers on the back of pickup trucks, basically, that raise you up. And New York is all about, we've got the biggest or the third biggest, whatever it is. John Katsimatidis is doing one. I used to do them as a politician. You're up there pretty high. And you're in, in these things, even in a, a windy day, you're getting shaken around a lot. You have a whole bunch of kids, and I don't want to give them any idea, a whole bunch of these that start to protest by shaking the boat or whatever it is. I mean, I don't know if it's and, – and with Sid up there? Sid, are you kidding? I mean, they're going to travel for miles around to, to circle him and to – Like Piranha. They are. Like Piranha. And, now look. and what does he think having you up there is going to do? Well, because I'm the one that'll hold the, the hairspray. I see. To wrap. I can see you guys. Buttons. See, you know, spraying the audience with fire. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. That'd be a flamethrower, like is, right out of World it, War II in Iwo Jima. It is the Festival of Light, so just go ahead and be spraying. But it's an annual tradition. I wish they would leave that those kind of religious ceremonies alone. Whether it's for Muslims, whether it's for Jews, whether it's for Christians. Just leave it alone. Well, here's another question. I keep hearing from these Palestinian, pro-Palestinian supporters is this is not anti-Semitism. It's anti-Zionism or it's anti-Israel or whatever it is. Then why are you attacking Jewish delis? Why are you attacking menorah lightings? Why are you attacking? I mean, that makes no sense to me. I mean, what is it about that menorah lighting that you think represents anything but Judaism? Okay, and and so that's kind of to me, it's a little bit of a tell. When, these, when they were going up and tearing down posters of hostages, that's a tell. When you're chanting outside or a, 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 a throwing a rock through an Irish – Irish, in, in is a, 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 a Jewish deli or some – I mean then, then you're just doing anti-Semitism, which I think is, is why I think they backed away from doing things around minorities. Well, it is interesting that they would normally gather up in Grand Army Plaza in Brooklyn opposite Prospect Park. You've been there many times the uh, Central Library there, and the museum. That's where they generally meet in Brooklyn. They met there just uh, yesterday. But they stay away from that huge menorah, which was lit up on night number one, uh, mostly by the Chabad, the Lubavitchers, who are down the Eastern Parkway towards uh, Kingston, 770 Eastern Parkway. So you would just hope, look, this is a, a religious season for Christians it's a religious season for Jews. Muslims have their religious holidays. Everybody has their religious ho- Leave them alone. Leave the religious holiday. Yeah. But they know they're going to get maximum attention just by being there. They don't have to do anything. They could just circle, make people uncomfortable, get into a few arguments. You know, these are verbal arguments. There's no pushing, no shoving. Nobody has been hurt. But it sends a message that if you're a Jew in this case, you can't hide. We're coming after you. Yeah, I want to tell you, you know, on another level, watching all of these protests and how they've become m- more anti-Semitic, sometimes crossing over the line, to hear all of these people in the Me Too movement ignoring the fact that they're Jewish women, Israeli women, who have now been victims of sexual violence, and they're somehow not up to... I'm starting to get the feeling that... Jewish progressives are not welcome in these progressive caucus. I mean, that's what we're learning here is that when it comes to that, 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 that many Jews, remember, Jews have a very progressive cultural connection. It's, sure, it, that's why they keep voting Democrat. Right. And, and now to find out when all these other, when all of our launchmen in these progressive movements that we've been so helpful in and we've stand, stood side by side 
are kind of saying, well, no, you this this is not for you. You you don't get the same benefit of the doubt that other or that other folks do has been a real eye opener for many people and, in the Jewish community. And Stefanik cross examining three women of achievement. They've gone on to become chancellors of some of the major educational institutions in our country. University of Pennsylvania, MIT, Harvard. Incapable of saying that genocide against Jews is something this is not going to be tolerated at all. Discussion of that. Yeah. Well, it's almost like they were parsing language. But all three. No, no. Here's what happened. They were thinking about the this like legal question of First Amendment and everything else. Yeah, but you're a college campus. And the other thing is. The same Stephonics of the world, the same right, they, they got caught up in the, in the moment. They, they, they didn't, you know, all these right-wingers have been talking about cancel culture on college campuses and not enough voices and people being shut up before they get. So it, it, to some degree, these, these, these chancellors were overthinking it. And they just sort of said, yeah, no, you know, when, when you are threatening a minority community, the Jewish community, with violent death, Yes, that is that should not be welcome on college campuses. But remember, the same Stephonics of the world were are complaining about about conservatives not being allowed to have rallies on campuses all across the country. So they kind of that I understand, but let's face it, that was a shining moment. Oh, she did a great job. She was in the gladiator pit, and against three women of equal prominence, if not greater, because they're chancellors of major universities. They, you know, they have academic credits, you know, they're well-respected. One after another after well, another saying the same thing. I know, but isn't that amazing? I think Stefanik and all of us were, I think everyone was equally surprised. I think Stefanik asked the easy question first and exactly. was going to work up to something. Yes. And they even got the easy one wrong. It was crazy. And you would have thought they would have practiced you would have thought they would have been listening to the other person's testimony, which was on video. It's not like, you know, it was in a grand jury hearing. You had no yeah. idea what they were saying. And they repeated almost word for word what each of them said, which would suggest to me they had preliminary conversations amongst themselves. Well, they were both rep- – two of them were represented by the same law firm in preparing them. This Wilmer Hale company, a, f- a law firm, very famous. But they were – they were parsing it like lawyers. You said it. They were parsing it like lawyers and not speaking like, you know, human beings. Maybe from a legal perspective, they have to be careful not to stop someone from saying things on campus. And sure. And as I explained a couple hours ago on my show, someone has a right to go out on the street as a member of the KKK and march through a Jewish neighborhood. You can have a sign up on the street that says, I believe in slavery. Yes, you have a First Amendment right to be able to say things. Government can't stop you. But when you set foot on an expensive college campus, and and you expect certain rules of engagement to be, and one of them should be, you should not be. Now, can I say this? No one ever said on the University of Pennsylvania campus that they were in favor of genocide for the Jews. So that was a little bit of a red herring, that that hadn't happened. But still, it was the easiest imaginable question for the chancellor to answer. Up next, the acronym WABC has a new meeting. Always broadcasting Cuomo. <laughs> This guy's been given five, six opportunities before. In every one of them, he's crashed and burned. Except his first interview with Cindy Adams, where he almost sounded human. Guess what? He figured, I struck out with John Katsimatidis. I struck out with Rita. I struck out with the real estate gal. In fact, he struck out with John twice. 
Uh, he struck out with uh, Scaramucci. Scaramucci was a disaster. Horrible. Oh Horrible two outs. So that was five separate interviews. The only one in which he had any kind of a human quality was with Cindy Adams. So guess what? He's coming back to the well. WABC is now becoming always broadcasting Cuomo as we give him another try again and again and again. He will be on with Cindy Adams tomorrow afternoon, 2 o'clock, 2 to 3, in which he figures, you know, I struck out with everyone else, but something there with Cindy, which he actually brings out a bit of humanity out of me. We got to discuss that up next. The return, the resurrection of Andrew Cuomo on the political radar screen. Put them together. What a fine-looking Jew. You don't need deck the halls or jingle bell rock Cause you can spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. Both Jewish. Put on your yarmulke. It's time for Hanukkah. The owner of the Seattle Supersonicas celebrates Hanukkah. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Bring back Stop and Frisk, all these white people running around like Santa Claus. Throw them up against the wall. Search them. They're already getting rowdy. Already getting rowdy. The two days where people of color actually have a smile on their face when they see cops throwing white people up against the wall. St. Patrick's Day and Santa Con. Oh, man, it brings me great knockers to see this. Lock them all up. And I got to go out there with the mob for a few hours with my youngest son, What's Hunter. The, do you know anything about the where did it come from? Maybe Christian can look that up. Maybe where, what, is this, what does it even oh, mean? Oh, supposedly uh, for philanthropic uh, efforts, the bars contribute to charities as a result of Santa God. I think it's all specious nonsense. I think the con part is part of exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, go to my social networking, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. You will see. A vehicle jammed in between two vehicles that will never escape. It will never escape and just keeps getting ticket after ticket after ticket at $125 a clip. All right, now, let's talk about political comebacks because you certainly had yours. Elliot Spitzer had his. And now Andrew Cuomo is attempting it but hasn't yet decided the right place and the right time. So in a poll that came out earlier this week, his name was uh, in the mix, and he beat uh, Eric Adams in a hypothetical Democratic primary race in 2025, the next time there's a mayoral race, uh, sizably. By two-to-one majority, he won every category, including African-Americans. He whooped them. But then the same poll said if uh, Andrew Cuomo, the former governor, would run against... um, Uh, The U.S. Senator, right now, Kristen uh, Gillibrand, who is running in the presidential year next year, how would he do? And she beats him by about 14% in a Democratic primary. 
How do you figure that out? He loses in a statewide race against somebody, let's face it, was not that well-known, Christine Gillibrand. She's not Schumer. And then in the local primaries, if hypothetically it were to occur against Eric Adams for mayor or even in this slingshot one that uh, is a Frank Morano's uh, political wet dream where you have a nonpartisan election because Eric Adams has to leave office in addition to ranked choice voting, he does so well here. But not against Gillibrand. How do you figure that out? Well, that's a simple issue of numbers, and that is that the African-American vote is about 25, 26, 27 percent in New York City. And statewide, it's only about 13 or 14 percent. And the African-American, slightly older African-American voter is generally, and this is from personal experience, generally more willing to kind of cut you a break in terms of a comeback and giving some level of forgiveness I have some personal experience with this. When when I was thinking, you know, I resigned from Congress in 2011, and um, but I had all this money in the bank because I was going to run for mayor. And I came to the conclusion that, you know, what I really should do is not run for mayor but run for controller. The idea being I've got to re- rehabilitate myself. Controller is a dry position, just good governance. Plus it was a good job. And I had surrounded myself with some truly excellent political advisors, including ones that I had put together who later went on to work for Barack Obama in 2008. Anyway, so we did a little polling and we we knew because of my name recognition, I would be leading any poll for any office. That was not the issue. And as you're seeing with Andrew Cuomo now, he's leading every poll for every office. But I also knew that the high negatives that I had, the amount of people that had a negative a view of me would mean that any head-to-head race I ran, I was going to eventually lose because it's it's one thing to convince people who don't know you that they should vote for you. Quite a different thing to convince people who don't like you that they are wrong about you. So as it relates to, to, to Andrew Cuomo, it is no mystery to me at all that he's number one in all these polls. What is truly striking to me is that he's only at 20 some odd percent. That means 80 percent, even though he's the best known of all these candidates – are still not picking him. But in terms of why he's doing better in the city, it's just the number of African-American votes, particularly senior African-Americans. Andrew Cuomo understood when he made his first tipping of the toes into comeback waters, they were at black churches. I did the exact same thing. There is something about the community, perhaps as they have so many people who've been incarcerated unfairly, so many people that have been victimized unfairly, that they're, they have a sense of, you know what, they really do believe in the idea of getting second chances. But Andrew Cuomo, if I'm looking at these numbers, I love all the headlines that I'm leading in the polls, but I am really concerned about what this might mean. And if he's doing any polling of his own, he knows that when you get later in ranked choice voting or in a head-to-head with somebody, you're in big trouble. Just like Elliot Spitzer, he was way ahead of Scott Stringer at the beginning. As the the season went on, it turned out that my polling was right, that someone with high negatives was going to lose. Well, let's look at this also across the Hudson River. When Bobby Menendez was indicted by the... uh Barack Obama, Department of Justice, U.S. Attorney in Newark. And they had him on a whole host of corruption charges. First place he went was a black church in Trenton. Black church in Trenton, and then every Sunday he'd go to a different black church. And by the way, his favorite reporter covering that trial in Newark was our own Dominic Carter. I've actually played the cut where he stops a press conference. He looks into the crowd. He says, Dominic's not here yet. Boys, gals, we got to hold off until Dominic because he wanted the number one African-American reporter to be seen talking to him while his political life uh, was in peril. 
And he knew that the only comeback was through the African-American community. So you're right. You went that route. Cuomo's certainly done that route. He hasn't gone to any other religious facilities other than black churches. The one who didn't do that was Elliot Spitzer. Was that a mistake that he didn't go to a black church first uh, before he even launched his effort to become the city controller? And as you said, the polls where he was way ahead of Scott Stringer. And Scott Stringer just... He's a good politician. He knows how to do retail politics. He just clawed his way back, and he beat him. He beat him handsomely. Yeah, now, but if another thing about 2013 when all of this went down, uh, um, Spitzer said, I saw Wiener get in and do well. So he jumped in after, and he had not done anything resembling homework about what this was going to be like. He probably saw these the public polls that said he was way ahead. Look, right now, all it's really doing is measuring your name recognition. But the another difference between Andrew Cuomo has not been out in the wilderness for 10 minutes, and he's already – there is not a sense. With me, I really kind of disappeared off the grid for a year and a half or you so. Did. Spitzer kind of did the same thing. I mean, where we have windows here on the second floor of the studio, Cuomo was climbing up and pressing his face against the window almost from the moment that he resigned. And he, and he still and then we've talked about it a hundred times. And then he gets access to the microphone. And is there anything that acknowledges the elephant in the room, which is 80 percent of the people are saying in these polls? No, you can say, yeah, I'm winning with 21 percent. But that tells me 79 percent are saying no. And that is a real problem well, for him. Well, if he were to decide to get back into it, from your perspective, does he do it statewide or does he come into the PR meat grinder known as New York City? You've been through the meat grinder in New York City running for mayor twice. You know, I think it's a lot more intense, the pressure, than running for statewide office when half the time you're away in places you can't even find on the map. Well, he's not going to win a primary against Hochul, and one won't be coming up for a while. So he's going to have an opportunity to run in New York City sooner, either by dint of primarying his friend, quote-unquote, or in a special if such a thing were to happen. So in terms of his thirst to get back in the game, I think he's going to do whatever, the one that's up available now, and, and run for mayor. And remember, there's the 1977 case. His dad famously ran for mayor in 1977 and lost in that runoff that, that you you described on uh on on Sid's show last week you know so there you know a lot of Andrew Cuomo is this mythology of the Cuomo name you know putting his dad's name on things living up to the and right now the last chapter in the Cuomo legacy as of now is he got hounded from office and was thrown out of office so i you might see him say all right let me go back to new york city mayor and complete the loop that Mario Cuomo tried to run in 1977. If he does, his two biggest adversaries are Kathy Hochul, the governor, and Tish James, the attorney general. As you know, as a tag team, they hate him, they loathe him, they despise him. How does he get past that? How does he get past knowing that even in the state legislature, they hate him, they despise him? Listen, if I'm if I'm making his campaign slogans now, if I'm making his campaign pitch now, I say they hate me because I fight for you, meaning I'm not one of these politicians. They don't like me. They threw me out. 
They don't want me to win. They they're not endorsing me. They're endorsing everyone under the sun. They're losing their minds that I'm running. You know why I'm here? I'm standing up for you, the people of the city of New York, because you've been down too, and the both of us are going to get back on our feet together, kind of something like that. He's going to. We, no one cares what Hochul or, or the Letitia James want when you get into a primary. The real problem he's going to have is there's going to be people in the race, maybe even you, who say, look, you can have a tough-on-crime guy who is not – who is not accused by 12 or 13 different women of doing improper things. Uh, and if he decides to run against Gillibrand and run against Hochul, imagine the women in this state saying, wait a minute, we find we have leadership of women who, whether you think they're good politicians or not, they're clean as the driven snow, and you're going to come up and run against them with your record? Ain't going to happen. But I think I think if, if, I'm, if I'm Cuomo, I wear – the, the 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 criticism of my fellow elected officials like a badge of honor. Remember, the state legislature is not that popular a place. The fact that they threw me out, power more power to them. Let me throw one other potential into you. As a former resident of Westchester County, he lived in Mount Kisco. We see George Latimer is moving on. He's going to take on Reginald Bowman in a Democratic primary. Well, there's going to be a lot of money in that primary. All of Scarsdale. <laughs> has said, we want Reginald Bowman Not out. Reginald. What's his first name? Uh, I call him Reggie Bowman. Anyway, uh, Bowman. Uh, the other guy's Mondaire Jones. He's running against Michael Lawler. All right, but it's Bowman. Uh, that right. much I know. The right. guy who pulled the fire along. Yes. That's going to be a big battle in a primary because it's going to be a lot of money in that race. What would happen if um, Andrew Cuomo took the safer route? And decided to run in the old blue borough, excuse me, not borough, but all blue county of Westchester, uh, run for county executive first in a place that he lived many, many years in Mount Kisco. I don't know. He's got, I, I well, can't see how he loses. Lat- if Latimer. Well, Latimer, I think is, uh, I think he's he term limited. To? He has to leave. He I think. I may be incorrect. I have no idea. If, the politics. You know that old New Yorker cartoon, upstate New York? You know, it's like the Bronx and then the rest of America. I have no idea what's north of the Bronx. So if you, had, if you were a betting guy now, because you sound like his campaign manager, um, what would your advice to him be? Knowing that right now he's the, the golden calf because he's doing well in the polls. But you know what the media is like. Build you up to knock you I down. I don't think it's a matter of the media. I think a, a really good poll, he would see that he is not going to win a special. However, he is so thirsty to get back in, and you run when the race is, you know, you, you run, and he's going to have some advantages. I think he's going to be have the ability to raise a bunch of money. A lot of these real estate guys and people that are concerned about crime, he's going to be able to, he's going to be able to raise and spend a lot of money. And there is a chance that the left has six or seven different people in it. Now, in a ranked choice voting, as Marana will point out, that, okay, that may be the case, but they'll eventually, those votes will stagger and eventually consolidate behind one progressive who might have an advantage if there are too many conservative guys in the race. But if this race comes up, let's do the math. It happens, you know, in February, March, April, May. It's it's a figure May there's a special because something comes down in the tail end of the winter. Yeah, I I think he's, I think he... Why wouldn't he run? All right, but assuming uh, Adam survives it and runs for re-election, what does he do then, even if he's wow. ahead in the polls? Wow. If it – okay. If that it would is, require a Democratic primary 2025. If there is a if, – if Andrew Cuomo gets in, then he's going to get in with the knowledge he's probably making a progressive mayor that he doesn't agree with that much because someone will do the math and say, wait a minute. 
I've got Adams, who's unpopular with the left now, and Cuomo, who's not popular with the left. And I mean, I, I, I don't think Andrew, I, 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 I don't think Andrew Cuomo I, does I that. Want, I want Andrew Cuomo. I want him so bad. I want to get him in the debate circle. I want to beat the hell out of this guy for everything he's done to destroy this state. This guy destroyed New York State, and now he's going to want to destroy New York City over my dead body. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. So got to ask you a question, Anthony. You're wearing orange. You're almost all there. Your colors, your Met colors. Stephen Cohen, the billionaire owner's been on the sidelines. Steinbrenner's kid woke up, went for one. Soto gave away whatever was necessary to get him from the Padres to the Yankees. Otani, who we thought was going to the Toronto Blue Jays, has signed a 10-year deal for $700 million with the L.A. Dodgers, where he will be the star of all stars, even after having two Tommy John elbow surgeries. They are banking on the fact that this guy's going to be okay for 10 years, both as a hitter, because he does the old Babe Ruth routine, hits and pitches. But Stephen Cohen, who's known to be willing to spend everything, has kept his powder dry. What do you what do you see happening with it, your it, beloved it, Mets? It looks like it looks like Cone is willing to go through a rebuild. It doesn't like right because you heard a whole bunch about the Mets being Otani in the Otani sweepstakes early on, and then nothing the last few weeks. By the way, seventy million dollars a year. I mean, it wasn't so long ago that some teams had a seventy million dollar payroll. Exactly. I mean, it, this is just, I mean, it's not my money. I don't care. And it's the Dodgers, so I kind of care, I well, guess. I, I'm trying to figure this out. Steve Cohn was so aggressive. Then he gets the bench co- coach of Aaron Boone of the Yankees, yeah. who I wanted to go, to become your manager. Maybe Willie Randolph will be his bench coach, their best friends. But I really haven't yeah. seen anything take place within the structure of your team. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. And now, between Soto going to the Yankees and this going to the Dodgers, I thought the days of the Mets being stuck holding their, their whatever during this period was going to be over. Uh, it's not good. It's not good. Wow. It's a sad day for uh, Anthony Weiner. But, but at least we have Santa Con. Be careful out there. The Santas are going crazy. <laughs> 